All right, so we're doing a little bit of Gen Talk today. Now that I figured out how to use the titler, if people can see pretty easily what we're going to be talking about today. For sure. <clears throat> but one thing I didn't put on there I thought would be fun to open with. So I've read a conspiracy theory today that I think has some merit. All right, let's go. It is, uh, although we may not have any grounds to talk about it, but I think it'll be fun. So it basically goes like this. Women's pants all have small pockets to encourage the sales of purses. I, that's not a conspiracy. That's a fact, isn't it? <laughs> I think we're pretty like, I think that's pretty known. Like Is that's, that? a, that's yeah, that's, 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 that's absolutely why. That's one of those ones. I think I, I never put it together, but it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense now that I heard it. No, oh, no, absolutely. Well, it's kind of like, uh, and you know, again, this is going to make me sound like a broken record, but a lot of things, a lot of problems are tied to capitalism. Like you wouldn't think that feminism is a movement that's inherently antagonistic towards capitalism, but you know, you look at the price difference between male and female razors, for instance, like oh, yeah. the only difference is the one's pink and they usually cost more. Uh, you know, magazines constantly tell women, you know, they need to wear more makeup or they need to, yeah. to wear, you know, designer clothes or, you know, they need to lose weight with mm-hmm. this new diet pill that we're selling. So yeah. Uh, the feminist movement is inherently tied to the, anti-capitalist mm-hmm. movement in a lot of ways here's a fun fact for you you brought up um, diet pills there's only i think like two or three actual pills approved by the fda to promote weight loss no i believe that too huh? the entire supplement industry is not fda regulated right yeah so you got to be careful of them cheap dollar store vitamins because you never know what you're going to get in them yeah no i saw a uh i don't know if it was a documentary but basically they tested a bunch of these supplements and it turned out like a lot of them like most of them didn't contain what the label said and a lot oh, of them yeah. had like sawdust in it and oh, yeah. sugar and just, just random fillers. That's crazy. Another fun fact, when you're buying a used car, also check for sawdust. Wait. Back back in the day, a lot of uh, bad dealers would like put sawdust in like the engine compartments and stuff and mm-hmm. then the brakes just to kind of cover up any bad noises. It was uh, always a bad sign. I don't think I've ever seen it myself, but that is the case. So... This is completely unrelated. Well, I guess not completely unrelated, but uh, when I was in an auto shop in high school, we got a couple cars donated to us. And then one of them in the trunk had a spare tire that was just filled with lead balls. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was like, so... (laughs) All right. The hypothesis from my auto shop teacher was that uh, it was used for, like, drag racing. And so they used it to... Which doesn't make sense because usually you want a lighter car, but he was saying that it gave more traction to say it. if you're putting weight down on your drive tires i could understand that but there's better ways to do that yeah i don't know it was it was literally like a spare tire and it was just filled with like hmm. metal like ball bearings i don't know so we had this uh contest to see who could move it the farthest right so yeah. you're like picking it up and walking it around and then um you know i picked it up and i went the farthest at the time it felt really good about myself like i took you like 10 feet I was like, you know, like I'm a badass. Uh, but then this guy, uh, Koa, who was a Samoan dude, literally just picked it up, hefted it over his shoulder, and just started walking laps just to, oh, wow. just to stun just on to all of us. Yeah. 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 It's flexing. But look what I can do. Yeah. So that kind of felt pretty bad. How much do you think it weighed? Let me. What, what size of tire was it? Like, I'm thinking like little, like 14 inch tire. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a big tire. It uh, was, uh, I forget what car it was. It might have been an Acura. I was gonna say um, Honda Civic is my first guess. No, no, it had it had more of like a like a sporty body to it. I can't remember. It's been a while. Like your TSX, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I knew it was a, it was an import something and mm. probably accurate. It could have been a could have been a Honda. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I just casually associate the Honda Civic with racing. Yeah, <laughs> especially uh, not for good reason, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no. Well, they are a good car. They're light. Yeah, they're very easily customizable. So they are pretty big in the drag race. They so, really are popular yeah. modern car, easy yeah. to work on. Plus, like if you take care of them, they'll last forever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of people pull them old three liter uh, VTEC and motors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They always try to swap them in and out and do all these weird builds and stuff. Yeah. I had a one friend who had a hatchback of some kind, probably a Civic hatchback, mm-hmm. and it, when it ran, it was it would go <laughs> like it, like its idler was really mm-hmm. bad. But he's like, that's how you want it, so you can hit the gas faster. And I said, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not a huge car guy, so you know what? Uh, <laughs> what? I'd buy it. I said, I was like, well, I don't know if your car's supposed to idle that way, but I'm going to, I mean, you did the work yourself, so I'm going to you, let you be proud. Yeah, on my first car, it idled really high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took it to my buddy who was a mechanic, and all he did was like use a screwdriver and like lowered the throttle like manually. Oh, yeah. And fixed it that way yeah like, so it's like, not like a hard tweak the throttle body cable yeah. so it just depends on the car like i had a well, a very common fault in cars is the uh, egr valve mm-hmm. or the idle air control valve kind of similar to the same thing one is exhaust gas one is in, intake gas but uh or intake air but uh, a lot of times they get clogged up with just gunk because mm-hmm. of their design and then they make a car idle funny I, I think every car i've ever owned has had that problem okay First car that I ever owned was a uh, 1993 Geo Storm. Yeah, yeah. that's a, those are good cars. Yeah, they, well, objectively they're terrible, but they, they, they you can do not, some. They were not a popular car. You can do some fun stuff with them though. It was super light and had a three cylinder. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I always thought that they'd come in uh, even numbers before before I got Mm-mm. it. Yeah, there's actually a. Uh, production five-cylinder that GMC has been using for a long time. Okay. They're um, Colorado trucks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Strange one. Cool thing about the Geostorm is if you look at it just from the front, uh, like head-on, Yeah. you could almost for a split second confuse it for a Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the features are the same. Yeah. So like, yeah, if you were picking up a girl and she just saw you coming she might think for a second that you had a camaro and then she'd see the rest of it and be like oh <laughs> like we're going nowhere tonight <laughs> <laughs> she gets in and the weight of the car is doubled <laughs> <laughs> they're cool they're cool and the they also have too another car that i always thought was really fun it's similar to the geo storm oh crap mm-hmm. um is the uh ford probe ford they made it for probe. two years yeah it looks pretty similar Run they your typical probe runs for about two years and then they're junk, mm. so it rusts out. Okay, yeah. Do you need to plug your? Yeah, can you get me a power real quick? I forgot to get sure. you to plug me in real fast. I think I threw it down there on top of the, the Xbox. <laughs> My bad. We got two. We got into recording so quickly that uh, I forgot. There we go. My bad. 
Is your, is your phone all right? I don't want any casualties on the screen, on the stream. Perfect. <laughs> so we'll use that as a yeah. You're welcome. We'll use that as a good opportunity to segue. I think you had mentioned you had a few things you wanted to get into. Yeah. Oh well, we're gonna. It's gonna be take a bit of a hard turn right now because I uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. All right. How about it? So uh, a big gripe that I have is with sort of these radical centrists who like to constantly equate the left and the right together. People who believe in, you know, horseshoe theory that they're essentially the same. And so recently we've had a couple of violent incidences that had happened. Uh, one that a lot of people didn't talk about was, uh, this, uh, self-professed, uh, Antifa guy, uh, who later was found out not to have any actual formal uh, inclusion with Antifa. Uh, basically, though, he went to storm uh, an ICE detention center in an attempt to, to free the people being detained, and he firebombed some cars uh, and then got shot dead. Uh, I got his name pulled up right here. It was 69-year-old Van Spronson. Right. So... Uh, which is weird that a lot of the major news outlets didn't cover this, but a lot of like right wing talking heads kind of went on this big rant about how violent Antifa is, but don't want anyone to be misled into thinking that left and right wing violence are in any way comparable. Because if you look at the numbers, Antifa has killed zero people, zero. That is not a single death. Sure, they do some property damage sometimes, and they throw some milkshakes at people, but 100% of political violence-related deaths that occurred last year were done by right-wing terrorism. Mm-hmm. 100%. When left-wing terrorism, if you want to call it that, happens, they just go and riot and you know break Starbucks windows. But when right-wingers commit terrorism, they actually kill people. So... Uh, just today we had uh, another shooting, the uh, Garlic Festival shooting, where three people were killed. Um, and I think that they were all children, correct? Um, there was like a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. Yeah, I'd have to double-double-check it, yeah. but yeah. And uh, while the motives have not officially been released, uh, it had been revealed that he'd been reading sort of a, a white supremacist book and posting about it, about this whole might is right thing. And so... Um, if it were to turn out that this, this guy was in fact a white supremacist, then it is just another point to the right wing terrorism that is rising in this country. Hate crimes have risen. Uh, right wing terrorism is on the rise and it is. And if you include it like, uh, Oklahoma city bombing, you know, if you want to go that far back, Mm -hmm. then hundreds of people have died because of right wing terrorism. So, a lot of people will try to equate Antifa to them and make Antifa this big boogeyman and that they're, they're violent terrorists when in actuality, that's just not the case. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just one of those things. Like when people hear, you know, violence, it's so easy to categorize it all together. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like everybody's, it's easy to say, you know, all violence is wrong, but you know, it's like, that's not the point that we're, that people are getting at here. It's like, I just read a study yesterday or the day before that said that terrorism increases, you know, with immigration, right? That's a very right wing calling point. But the truth is it's right wing terrorism in domestic homegrown that increases with immigration. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it just, nobody's going to ever advocate like, yeah, violence is great. It's like, no, you have to look at the causality that's causing these instances to rise. And you have to also like take into account the damage caused by it. Are you going to equate uh, property damage to human lives? Exactly. That's, that's a false equivalency. And yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and advocate violence because that is instantly banned from every <laughs> no, single. No, 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 no. If I made service. it insinuate like that's what I think like what you're getting at, I did not do but, I did not mean no, to do I'm that. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. you're insinuating it, but what I'm saying is that um you know, there's a John F. Kennedy Kennedy quote where it's uh those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And you know, that goes even goes back to all these I guess in a way like these counter protests and stuff like somebody hosts a protest and this, you know, it doesn't even matter what it is about. And then the other side has to counter protest, which is whatever. So you're going to have two groups constantly clashing like we've got to I don't know, just figure out a way to kind of prevent some of this stuff ha- from happening. But well, the, but then like this guy at the garlic festival, I was just reading, he looks like he cut through the fence to av- avoid the metal detectors. Mhm. And that's how he got in to start. Yeah. So it's like, what are you supposed to do? Well, and that's another thing that I think uh, needs to be looked at is the the motives behind these two most recent acts. So one guy firebombs some property in an attempt to free children. One guy shot up a festival in an attempt to assert white supremacy. So even though you may say that they were both violent, the motives behind the violence are clearly different because... Let's be honest here. Uh, a lot of rights weren't won by asking nicely. You know? Right. Slavery didn't end because they just asked the slave owners really nicely, like, hey, do you want to want to just let us go? Um, you they, know, right. Haiti's occupation, uh, they didn't win their independence by asking people to leave. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Yeah, if things get to a certain point where people's rights are being taken away, mm. you know, at what point is violence justified? Right. Is it, ne- is it blanket never justified ever, ever? Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, and if we take what's going on here in this country and just kind of remove it from our current political, you know, ideas of, you know, immigration, blah, blah, blah. And we we just took it as it is and put it somewhere else, okay? Let's say that Arabs were detaining Israeli families. They were separating them. They were deporting the parents with no intention on reuniting them with the children. They were holding the children in cages with no showers, mm-hmm. no toothbrushes, no beds. And some some Israeli guy attempted to storm and free the children and got killed. Would we think that he was like a fucking bad guy? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to present that to like any sort of conservative person because that's not an unrealistic scenario being that Israel, uh, Israel is like encroaching on, you know, territories that have been granted to Palestinian families. So you could technically say that they were illegally trespassing. So what if they got detained? And what if we did that? But a can't. But if we say it's happening to Mexican children, then it's okay. 
mm-hmm. and it's fine. Right. And it's something that history is going to have to sort out for us because honestly, like at what stage would it be acceptable to storm an ICE detention center and free right. kids? If they started actually killing kids, mm-hmm. then would it be okay? Exactly. At what point is it okay? Because right now we are completely dehumanizing these people Absolutely. and we're doing it intentionally. I forget who it was somebody in Trump's cabinet who, who actually suggested the family separation policy as a deterrent for illegal immigration. They're doing this intentionally. They're spending $700 a day per person being detained. $700 a day. You can put them up in the nicest hotels possible. You could put them in Trump towers cheaper than Trump what? T- yeah. yeah. That was the, that was the statistic. Yeah. So this idea that, that they're being held in these inhumane conditions because of, you know, a lack of funding is just, is not true because they have more than enough money to, to put them in better situations. Oh, absolutely. They're intentionally, they're intentionally putting them in these, uh, inhumane conditions. And this is the thing too, like now that we're on detention centers, um, something I've definitely wanted to talk a little bit about. They, this has been described as Geneva level human rights violations. There was an American citizen, like there's been so many things happening involving these detention centers that like nobody seems to really care about. It's like, we've been through this. Like we put the Japanese Americans into internment camps mm-hmm. just like this out of fear of, um, what do they call it? Homegrown acts of violence, yeah. you know, whatever their reasoning was back in the day, there's a famous Supreme court case you can look up and I can't think of what its name is, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we've been through this, we've done this before. And so, you know, you had a nine year old American citizen put in a detention center mm-hmm. because her face didn't match her passport photo, but yeah. she was an American citizen. Well, there was also that 19 year old kid who was in the detention center for 30 days. Yeah. Lost, he was, uh, lost like 20 pounds, 26 pounds. Yeah. 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 So we're doing it to American citizens. Yeah. So I read a report the other day that, uh, or a while back and I could find it if I needed to, that suggests about 14,000 American citizens have been deported since, Mm-hmm. Donald Trump took office. Americans. Americans. Yeah. See, because this comes back to a bigger, um, almost philosophical quandary. It's like, how do you prove you're you? Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you maybe you have a social security number, but that was never meant to identify you. You might have an ID, but let's mm-hmm. say you got a haircut or something along those lines. Like, how do you prove you're you? I think, though, on a on a bigger level is that it doesn't really matter if yeah. you're American or not. Like what we're doing isn't okay. Yeah, isn't right. Yeah, isn't right. Geneva but of course, level rights violations. Yeah. But of course, the the argument is that these people came here legally. But no, it turns out we are doing this to American citizens as well. Yeah. So all I'm saying is that at, it's at racially what point, motivated. Yeah. At what point would it be okay? See, that's another thing too. So so there's a meme. I just you know I kind of thought about this while you were going while you were talking. There's been this meme about Storm Area 51. Sure. How about we, what if we, what if, what if, uh, what if they stormed the detention centers? What if they just marched on up and said, release everybody, then what? Yeah. Well, there was that, uh, that one thing that just went on in Puerto Rico. Yeah. They yeah. Forced, yeah. Uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard actually was out there. I seen that where they forced him to resign. We could absolutely do something like that. There, there should be. And I really respect that too, because the governor of is it governor of Puerto Rico? Yeah, governor of Puerto Rico who resigned and in in a lot of the mayor, you know, those those are Democrats. They're theoretically left-leaning people. Mm. And I think it goes to show, like, even though that is the case, like, it's not good to put up with it just because they're on your side. Yeah. Like, no. lesson to be learned. Like, we have got to fight that kind of corruption yeah. everywhere. We should fight 
tyranny in whatever flavor it comes in. As I say, Obama was not above above reproach. There's actually a, a lawsuit going on uh, that started in 2014 about how Obama's detention centers were doing forced labor of immigrants. Mm. And, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, there's a lawsuit going on right now. And when I first read the article, I immediately tied it to Trump and went, like, look, he's running forced labor camps. Turns out this is from 2014. Yeah. They were and running forced labor camps under under Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Obama had one of the highest levels of deportation mm-hmm. of any U.S. president. You know, Obama expanded uh, the, the drone striking program. Yep. And Obama never closed Guantanamo Bay. And he, yep. So, yeah, just because he was a Democrat doesn't mean that he's above reproach right and that uh accountability is uh, what makes our democracy great but if we're not utilizing those kind of tools to hold those people accountable what are we doing well that's sort of like another like the, is the is the does the inaction make the american people as complicit as the people who did it like you know what i mean yes well see that's in, a hard in, one maybe don't some, answer that in deep. some ways well in some ways because yeah. we do theoretically have a democracy wherein these people are supposed to represent our will right so when they're doing this they are representing us and if we're not holding them accountable then we are basically saying this is what we want yeah this is what you're doing is is what we put you in office to do so so yes if you now it's it's a lot of pressure to put on the average person who's just trying to make ends meet that is very true um so honestly entirely yeah so if you just have an opposition towards it, even if you, you know, could be or you're active on social media, like posting about how this is wrong or if you're protesting or if you're voting against uh, these things that are going on, then I think that if that's the most you can do, then that's the most you can do. The worst offenders are the people who are trying to say that this is OK. Yeah. You know, trying to people, justify it. Yeah. The people that say it's that this is a good thing that's going on, that it's right. Let's, um, uh, I think that those people, and you know what, uh, I'm kind of glad that these people are etching their beliefs in the stone of the internet where it's going to be forever, mm-hmm. where we'll see in, you know, you know, 20 years, 30 years, when we look back on this as sort of a dark spot in American history, we can see who supported it and who didn't. You know, there's something to be said there, too, about the people who think that that's what we want and then that's the things that we do. Because there's a group in the the Congress called the Doctors' Caucus, which is a a group of medical doctors who have been elected to the Congress. Mm -hmm. They went to the southern border and looked at these detention centers, quote, and they came back and all of them were like, oh, this is fine. They're well taken care of. This is great. Mm -hmm. And then, but you look at the pictures and you're like, come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. And then like, it's just, it's just insanity to me because like our local congressman, um, voted against the bipartisan budget bill, which in itself is a whatever, you know, but the, but he's using the excuse like, Oh, I don't want the debt ceiling to climb, mm-hmm. but it's hello. You gave the richest corporations $1.5 trillion. Like you can't, yeah. you can't argue that you've already shown what you stand for, but it's just regular people. Like you said, just, they, I mean, they really just don't have time to look and then you try to yeah. explain it to him and then it's just so hard to get that point across it's you're like look yeah. and it's like i'm not trying to call you wrong i'm just trying to explain to you that it's not what you think it is well i think you just have to look at it for literally what it is we like don't take into account that these are mexican kids or that these are from another country you know just actually be like hey these are human beings that we are holding in inhumane conditions 
it's yeah it just it blows it baffles me it baffles me oh hey, we're being raided right now hello I don't know hello what that, means. that means somebody brought us about 14 extra people welcome guys nice thank don't you don't know if this is what you're into but hey if you got any questions or anything you know yeah, follow along ask some in, questions get we're in good the chat. we're good who is it it uh, looks like uh, Killer Steven raided us with a party of 14. Oh, nice. Thank you, And uh, Pander, Pander, Panda Rider, I'm sorry, followed us. So thank you, thank you. I appreciate Dude, that very much. You know, we're just going on and going on about a few different random topics today or tonight. So thanks for so, listening. And Yeah. Um, a little bit of our momentum. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so back to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's going to be. Did you ever watch Full Metal Alchemist? Yes, yes. Do you remember in the very beginning, uh, the first antagonist was that uh, that water alchemist who uh, was like, oh yeah, branded as like a traitor yeah, to the government, right? Fight and, back. Yeah, and they ended up killing him. But then later on in the series, it was revealed that the government was the the real villain the whole time, and it was almost like I kind of wish that they acknowledged that that first guy was just like he was right all along. <laughs> It would have been a nice callback to get to. Yeah, they never um, mentioned him again. They really I don't even didn't. remember his name. <laughs> but I think it might be something similar to that when we look back. Now, again, I have to to quantify that I'm not saying that what the guy did was right when he, when he firebombed an ICE mm-hmm. detention center. I'm just saying that history will determine that. Yeah, they'll look back on it and just be like, that's awesome. Yeah. Where are we? There we go. Sorry, guys. I was trying to get the chat to get back to the screen I wanted on. Where do we stand on the political spectrum is what they want to know. Um, okay. So, uh, not to speak for you, uh, but I'm probably pretty far to the left. Um, don't necessarily want to out myself. <laughs> as, uh, I would say I'm an anarcho-communist. Fair enough. Uh, to be honest. I generally consider myself... Um, pretty liberal, not super far to the left, but mostly liberal. I'm pretty sure yeah. I stand. Uh, let's see here. We got bros versus hoes. Where do you stand? It's uh, it's kind of uh, <laughs> it's kind of been influenced by uh, beautiful. I used to watch the Boondocks a lot, and then oh, uh, snap when there was Classic. that one song, homies over hoes, homies, and then he tried to explain it to the pimp. And he's like, that sounds kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> your bros, unless you love the hoe. Let's talk. Yeah, I was about to say, let's talk realistically. Where are you going to get with said hoe? What do you mean? What are you going to you get know, with you your know, bros? At least your hoes are putting out for you. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's what you got to understand. Like, if you got a chance, you got to go home. But if you don't, hang out yeah. with the bros. Yeah. Well, got to be objective. Things that are not huge deals when your friends become sort of big problems in a relationship. You never really break up with your friends, you know, like your friends never kind of leave you heartbroken and <laughs> miserable. And crying. You, just, you just slowly drift apart over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't talk to a lot of my friends anymore, but Ooh, like, that's a good one, you know, but if they ever showed up, and we're like, hey, you want to grab a beer? I'd be like, absolutely. Like, there's no ill will there. People have their own lives, and they, you know, they grow apart. It happens. <laughs> we are tackling the real issues here. <laughs> That's what we're all about. Just having good talks, good discussions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm super proc- hyped to actually have some people. In this the is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Doxy Proxy Gaming. He wants to know who we see ourselves voting for in 2020. 
ideally Bernie Sanders. I think <clears throat> th- this is where we're going to differ. I love Sanders. He's my number two, but I'm a Yang guy. Hashtag Yang gang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, if you guys uh, check on Spotify, Sour Source, we have uh, our first ever podcast was actually talking about uh, the Democratic candidates and mm-hmm. who we who we liked. And we kind of I kind of brought up a lot of criticisms of Yang and you kind of responded. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. If you want to get more of our opinions on who we like in the 2020 election, uh that's definitely a good place to check out, but I'm a huge Sanders guy. Um, Tulsa Gabbard would be my second. And honestly, after watching, uh, Marianne Williams, uh, Williamson, <laughs> no dude, you laugh, but she destroyed Rave Dubin on his show. It is true. Um, I need to go watch it. I no, she, seen it yet. she honestly, I bought into the meme of her being a crazy crystal lady, but, uh, she totally manhandled Rave Dubin. So like, uh, Marianne Williamson might actually be my third, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as candidates who have a realistic chance, uh, Bernie Sanders, number one, uh, Elizabeth Warren, probably number two. Uh. <laughs> I want to tackle the side argument going on here. We got a guy in our uh, chat named Sprite Supremacist. Mm-hmm. And then somebody <laughs> asked him, what about Coke? Um, Dr. Pepper is the only real way to go. Uh, I'm not a big soda guy. Dr. Pepper's fine, though. <laughs> uh, honestly, Back when I played uh, football in high school, my coach said, soda is the worst thing you can drink. I haven't drank it since. <laughs> well, there was a hundred and some odd uh, year old woman in Texas who claimed her uh, longevity was uh, on account a, of Dr. Pepper every day. So, Yeah, no, it always seems <laughs> like the people that live to be like 101, they're like, what, what did you do? It's like I drank bacon fat my whole life, smoked, <laughs> smoked two packs of cigarettes an hour. <laughs> that's how I lived so long. <laughs> Meanwhile, you could be like a vegan who jogs every day and drop dead at 40. <laughs> you, hey, what are you going to do? Um, Doxy Proxy wants to know, what's the most far left view you hold? Uh, the most far left view I hold. Um, Ooh, that's a tough one. Let me think. Where abolish prisons. Um, disarm the police. Um, the abolition of wage labor. Uh, the abolition of private property. Uh, and of course there's, there's caveats to all of these things that I would have to explain further. It's not that necessarily like anyone could just walk into your house and take your things because there's no more private property, but more in the sense that you couldn't, you couldn't own things that where other people's labor took place. And then you get to claim all of the profits for it is, is more of like, you could still have personal space and personal property, but as far as like, yeah. So there's just a couple things, and they're definitely things that we had intended on doing a deeper dive uh, on in further shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll hit on we'll hit on a lot of different things. I think only thing for me, my farthest left leaning view, um, I would say the biggest one that's been on my mind right now is as making sure that the uh, government. And this is going to sound really lame, but you know the government stands between businesses and uh, making sure that everything is working better for its citizens. See, so that's sort of, I think, the difference between us is, would you consider yourself maybe a social democrat? Probably. So you would still be a capitalist at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. You know, the power, the power, power curves, my God, I've been playing too much uh, other games, but uh, the power strike, you know, I'm okay with the linear stuff, you know, with, um, I don't mind that people are millionaires if they got Mm -hmm. there on their own. I just think that we shouldn't be exploiting people for their benefit. So yeah, social democrat is a good way to put it. So, I mean, that's, that's fair. However, you know, we, we made a move towards uh, social democracy, you know, with the New Deal and with FDR. 
and all it did was sort of stem the inevitable which was crony capitalism right capitalism will kind of always gravitate towards yeah. that um, and so if you have if you have the opportunity to eliminate that like would you not i mean I don't know. I kind of hold my stuff more as an idea, like as things, it's kind of like the shadow hand of the economy. I think I've talked to you about before things will gravitate eventually over time. And it's, I think that's where I think the government should really just take the time to pull it back, rein it back in, which is kind of where we're at now. Nothing is reined in private corporations pretty much ever. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to really get things kind of back to where we should be. And, And don't get me wrong. Like, again, like I have my beliefs, but I also have, what I believe is realistic. And I think that social democracy is a stepping stone to what I want to achieve. But I also, you know, I think that to go straight from what we have now to anarcho communism, uh, short, anything short of a violent revolution wouldn't make that possible. If we want to do it through actual voting and using the proper channels, it would require stepping towards Mm -hmm. social democracy to eventually what I want to achieve. But, you know, so yeah, like Bernie Sanders is a social Democrat and I love the hell out of the guy, oh, yeah. you know, uh, sure. We don't exactly have the same beliefs, but we do need him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, and I respect that, you know, just, we just need to get some straps, uh, ste- straps, steps in the right direction, you know? Okay. Someone asked what social democracy is. So, uh, what is being referred to as democratic socialism in our, uh, political sphere? Uh, you know, kind of popularized by Bernie Sanders and AOC is actually mislabeled uh, social democracy. Democratic socialism is socialism as in a post-capitalist philosophy, uh, whereas what they're actually arguing for is the Scandinavian model, which is social democracy, which is capitalism with a strong welfare state. So it is still capitalist, whereas uh, democratic socialism is socialist. So that's, that's what I mean when I say, uh, social Democrat or social democracy is I'm just kind of trying to correct that mislabeling that's been going on because Bernie Sanders at the end of the day is not really a socialist. He is still a capitalist. Uh, so he incorrectly labels himself as a, so, uh, democratic socialist when what he really is is a social Democrat. Mm. Let's see here. Do you want to, do you want to attempt to get into this one today? Uh, they want to know how an anarcho-communist is not a massive contradiction onto itself. Okay, sure. Um, so basically, and I am not a huge reader in a, like I wouldn't call myself an expert on Marxist philosophy, uh, but from what my understanding is and what I've, what I've already believed but never had like a label for it, it seems that anarcho-communism lines up with it. So basically uh, anarchism or <laughs> anarchism Anarchy is the abolition of unnecessary hierarchies and uh, the abolition of the state. And uh, it is not the abolition of uh, the government. So the distinction is that the state is restrictive. The state is what sort of encroaches on you and tells you what to do. Whereas government is like social welfare programs that actually help the citizens. That's the distinction between the state and government. So... Uh, anarcho-communism is not a contradiction. Anarcho-capitalism is a contradiction because uh, the money class is a hierarchy. And also you wouldn't be able to maintain private property without the state intervening. So anarcho-capitalism is actually the real contradiction. 
uh, we could probably <clears throat> get more into it like later, yeah. but I see yeah. some more questions. Yeah, we got a lot of questions coming yeah, in. I like pretty, it, guys. Pretty, keep them coming. Keep great. them coming. All of respond here is it is it aim higa. If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. But uh, we are a, some, a social democracy, and we've got Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, what else? Um, and we're actually much a, a much bigger social democracy than that. If you really look down into it, in my opinion, if you look at things like the farm bill, things that are subsidizing our crops so that we can have cheaper food, even though you know disregarding the fact that so much of it is currently going overseas thanks to the way it was written um, yeah, we're absolutely a social democracy, and we've been a socialist-style country for since the 50s. I mean, a lot of the things that are going on right now are things that FDR himself has proposed in the past, and like it, things they, that people have been trying mm -hmm. to get rid of this entire time. <laughs> yeah, so it it, it kind of blows my mind when when uh, one side of the spectrum says, you know, well, we don't want any socialist policies. It's like we've been living in a socialist policy for so long. How can you suggest mm -hmm. that? Uh, yeah, food stamps, section eight. That's all part of well, food stamps is part of the farm bill. Um, federal housing. That's a big one. People. Uh, these little things and I lost my train of thought. So, uh, well, there's but a, yeah, there's we've been question. I think we kind of stepped over where it's like, uh, Oh, the political violence. Yeah. I think we kind of got into that a little bit I think uh, earlier in the stream, but we can, we can touch on it yeah. again. Thanks for uh, stopping in uh, doxy proxy. Appreciate it. Yeah, Follow I, us. If I you have read it as well. I'm all the way over here. That's fair. Um, yeah. Is political violence ever justified? Um, well, I think, I think absolutely. Right. I think that, uh, when human rights violations uh, approach a certain point, like it's not only justified, it's necessary, you know, which is, is crazy because you have sort of the, you know, the, the right wing talks about, you know, why they need so many guns in order to stand up against a tyrannical government. Yet it's almost like, at what point do you actually do that? At what point do you stand up to a tyrannical government? Is it when they start sending people to war based on lies because that happens is when they step all over your, you know, right to privacy because that happened with the Patriot Bill. Like, at what point do you go, yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, this is a tyrannical government and we should do something about it. Uh, maybe we're not there yet. Uh, actually, I should say I should say we're not there yet just to <laughs> just so we don't get completely like shit on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, you look at the revolutions throughout history, uh, you know, where huge social change didn't occur because people ask nicely for rights um so it, political violence i think is justified but i'm not confident in saying that is justified right now that's that's such a hard question too I, like i don't want to be one to sit here and like advocate for violence in any form or way because violence in itself you know i think we all want peace but there are certain limits like let's say yeah, I agree with him. Massive human rights violations. Like we're talking, you know, pretty extreme things. Then I think it would be all right to be, you know, for those to be justified. Um, and then to reply to you here, uh, more socialist policy. I think an important first step is not to really think of it in terms of more or less, but it's to rewrite it all to make sure that the people who need it are getting it. And mm -hmm. then in terms of something like say food stamps, things like that, we need to make sure that we're working on, um, I think they call it the welfare cliff to where making like it's, if you want to get ahead, you're actually held back because you'll be losing more than you gain from getting ahead. I can't oh, think wow. of which, uh, somebody just introduced a bill about that too. And I just can't think of who it is at the moment. 
Um, yeah, I argue for more socialist policies. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. The DMV does suck. DMV is state-run, though. It's not yeah, a it, federal program, uh, which is not <laughs> to say that the federal government would tackle it any better. Here's a question for you, um, chat, for all of you who are still here. What do you think of a uh, federal ID, the idea of a federal ID? What? <laughs> you never have you ever okay, so like you know every state has your driver's license or sure. your your ID that you yeah. can get from the state level. Um a federal ID would be a nationwide ID. It would count for everywhere. In the in the simplest form. Okay. Basically the idea behind it is to um because your I think I touched on this earlier too, your social security number was never meant to be a form yeah. of identification. Yeah. It would it would basically replace that. You that would be your ultimate ID number. It it pretty much I would think have as much power as your passport number. Except not for that uh, nine-year-old girl who they tackled and did all that stuff to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's just generally not something I'm super concerned about because the way that it works right now is pretty easy. I move states all the time. Like I've lived in California, I've lived in Colorado, and I've lived here. Um, and really, all it does is you just take your old license to the DMV yeah. and then they yeah, swap it out it. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will the ID be required for voting? I think everyone should be registered to vote automatically, right? I agree. I don't yeah. think there's a reason that you shouldn't be registered to vote. I get the idea behind the ID law. Like, there's a certain type of logic that follows that because um, it's, you know, only Americans sh should be allowed to vote. You know, there's been a lot of studies done. The instances of bad voting from people who aren't supposed to be voting are really, really small. Um I don't necessarily have an issue with the ID law in itself by logic, but I do have a problem with the disenfranchisement that it does that ID laws do provide because they do unfairly target um, minorities. And uh, I could, I would need some time, but there are studies to kind of support that. Hashtag jewel gang. Yeah, no, I, I just opened it up on my phone. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I quit smoking uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And I kept trying to go to different sort of uh, vape systems, and none of them worked uh, until I got a Juul. And I think it's just because there's so much goddamn nicotine in it. That's the only <laughs> thing. It's the only thing that stops me from smoking cigarettes. So isn't the uh, uh, isn't there a current um, what do they call it uh, conspiracy that uh, uh, Philip Morris or the owners of Marlboro like bought Juul out or something like that? Uh, I haven't heard of that, but I did hear that uh, most like vape companies are like parent owned by tobacco companies because they're seeing a sort of i think our generation is the least uh smoking generation like in in american history so they're definitely it would be smart for them to start investing in in vapes um but yeah did you actually hear that uh nicotine is a uh, nootropic it might actually might actually be good for your brain so i have heard that I've heard a lot of things on that. <laughs> I'm not too well versed. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not too well versed on the voter ID controversy. Could you uh, maybe shed a little light on like, because I know it's been touted as being like racist. Yeah, kinda. generally speaking, um, um, the I, I think the biggest idea behind it, and I'd have to do, I'd have to get back into it for a little bit, but um, <clears throat> the biggest idea behind it is that certain minorities don't have as easy access to the required documents to get their ID. So when you put that barrier in place, it makes it harder to get your ID and thus harder to register to vote. Mm. That's the yeah, gist of it. Yeah, I know it's it. been used, uh, yeah. you know, primarily to suppress votes mm -hmm. from like minorities. I just wasn't sure how it was affecting them more than anyone else. 
yeah. So yeah. So then to respond to your second comment about the national ID and, the, and incorporating that, as long as you, I think it, I don't know. This might be just the idealist in me, but as long as you can make it in a way that it's universal and fair, like if it was, if, it, if there's a way to do it where it wasn't disenchan- disenfranchising, it would work. But you know, that's asking for a lot from a what is effectively a piece of paper. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am he. Uh, what is it? A. I'm Higa. If I'm mispronouncing that, you can correct me at any time. Uh, okay. So what about incentive to work to do better? Why would I do better in work or whatever if I won't be rewarded? Uh, I don't do charity and tax is already high enough. Okay. So, uh, yeah, no, that seems to be a consistent argument, uh, touted by the right. Uh, however, it, it wouldn't be your money. Uh, unless you're above a certain uh, income threshold. So I, if you were making millions, then your taxes would be higher. But I think uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, on his website last election cycle, I haven't checked it this time, uh, but he did release his tax plan and it actually didn't raise taxes on anybody making under $100,000. And I think it actually lowered taxes uh, towards people that were making like between a hundred and five hundred thousand. Um and it only increased taxes on the super wealthy. Now you can look that up yourself. I don't know if I'm 100% correct on that. Uh, but the argument is that um, these things don't exist in a vacuum. Uh, people don't earn their money like manifested out of sheer will. Uh, it comes with living in a society. You use public utilities. When you start a business, you require public education to educate your workers. You require roads to deliver you your goods or your, you know, materials to produce whatever it is that you produce or to get to where you're going. So, um, you know, this, this idea that, you know, rich people have, um, you make over a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I said Bernie's tax plan lowered taxes on people who made between a hundred and five hundred thousand dollars. So it wouldn't actually raise yours, but <coughs> back to my, uh, initial point, um, something like Medicare for all would actually save people money because it would eliminate, the the middleman which is uh private health care so certain socialist policies would actually save money on the long run uh providing housing for the homeless for instance would actually save money because we spend a lot of uh, resources uh, arresting homeless people and dealing with like uh certain health risks that ha- that happen when you are homeless and also homeless people not having a home is a huge barrier to getting a job and so they become more of a drain in our economy when they remain homeless. So certain leftist policies actually do save money in the long run. Um, and also, uh, something like 60% of wealth is inherited. Uh, if you make, uh, if you are born, uh, within the poverty line, you have less than 1% chance of becoming one of fortune 500s top earners. These are not coincidences. Uh, it's, it's very clear that people who are born in a certain class odds are they're not going to leave it if you are born rich you're probably going to die rich and if you're born poor you're probably going to die poor so this idea that people you know that it's a fair competition and that the best will rise to the top is just not the case all socialist policies are arguing for is a more unified um chance for these other people to go for people who are born poor and born in poor situations to have a chance to become better. If they get better educated, better health care, better food, um, they have a chance to produce better 
things for the world you know what if you know the cure for cancer is in the mind of some kid who get never gets to go to college or what if it's you know in the mind of some kid who dies of childhood leukemia because he didn't have health insurance you know and uh, so i think the big one too is it's really the issue here is not people who in my mind who make you know basically up to about three hundred thousand dollars a year that between that 100 and 300 range that's what we would consider the middle class at least where we live the issue is everybody above that who isn't paying anything on say their investments like or they're they're hoarding money these these like kind of things like it's not an issue of raising taxes like i get it like i don't want mine to go up either but i also want to know that i'm getting what i'm putting in for so like even something for instance Um, yeah, gonna, so this idea that you should be able to make it, and, and we've discussed this on a previous stream in that, uh, I don't come from money, uh, and I moved out of my parents' house as soon as I was 18, uh, and I worked really, really hard for all the things that I have, but there were definitely moments in which, uh, you know, I was struggling and, you know, I, I would have to call up my, my mom, or my parents to be like, Hey, you know, could I get you know, hundred bucks spotted to me so that I can afford rent this month, you know, especially when I was like 18, 19 living on my own. Uh, but you have to acknowledge that there's people who don't have that. There's people who don't even have any sort of support network, uh, you know, to be able to do something like that. Uh, I had my, my folks co-sign on, on my first car, you know, there's some people who don't have that. And you know, those things kind of pile on. If you can't afford a car, then you have to rely on public transportation. You're increasing your, you know, commute times to a lot longer. So there's just certain things that become unavailable to you the less you have. And so the idea is that just because things are going okay for you doesn't mean that there isn't a problem for the rest of the world. I'm, I'm doing fine. You know what I'm saying? Like I got a place, uh, I have enough free time to do the things that I like to do. You know, I definitely would like more money and I would like more things, but you know, something like free college isn't going to affect me. I already went to school something like healthcare, like universal healthcare isn't going to help me because I get really good healthcare through my, through my job. But that doesn't mean that these aren't massive problems for other people. Something like, you know, millions of people are, don't have healthcare at all and are literally one medical emergency from becoming bankrupt mm -hmm. or dying, you know? So that's, that's just something that I would like to, to eliminate because it's not a problem in other first world countries. Um, you know, if you are born, or if you develop like childhood cancer, there wasn't any sort of amount of hard work that could have gotten you out of that. You know, that's just something that happens. And if your family has to go bankrupt just to keep you alive, you know, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. Uh, you know, and not to bring up like anecdotal stories, but there is that uh, story that I read about uh, a dad who got diagnosed with a terminal illness and rather than stay alive at the expense of his, like all of his savings and putting his family into debt, he just killed himself, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, and that, Stuff like that are things that I don't think should happen in a developed world that we have. We have the resources. We absolutely do. We have, you know, the most billionaires of any country. Um, and that's another thing. I don't think that you can ethically earn a billion dollars because money has diminishing returns. You know, you take a million dollars from Jeff Bezos and he wouldn't even feel it. But if you gave a million dollars to somebody who makes 20000 a year, that's life-changing money. If you split up that million dollars and gave it up to to a hundred different people that that's life-changing money hell if you gave ten thousand dollars to somebody who makes twenty thousand a year 
that's life changing money. See, I want to, I want to uh, touch on this here. This uh, live by the rule, or if you learn the rules and play by the rules, you should be able to quote make it. That I mean, that line of thinking, generally right. If you if you do everything right, you should be able to come out ahead. I don't think that's wrong. But the issue I think that a lot of us take a problem with is that not only do a lot of people not start from the same spot. But they also don't end up in the, like I could follow all the rules like I could play right like I have a good career I could retire but then I wouldn't be able to retire because where I'm at basically I'd have to work till I'm basically 80 and I live I would say comfortably so yeah because this idea too so the, that a lot of the people at the top didn't play by the rules a lot mm-hmm. of them did and their tax evasion and their and their uh, that's what I wanted to get to and they're framing the rules so it's not so much that that it's not fair for ev- I mean it's it's not fair for everyone because there's a certain subsection that is literally making the paths that we are allowed to follow basically. Yeah, when you have money that you know, money and interests that lobby politicians to pass certain laws that make things easier for them at the expense of everyone else, well then they're changing the rules to benefit themselves and there's no amount of following the rules from you know, uh the working class perspective. Uh, you know, not everyone's going to invent Amazon. Not everyone's going to create like the next big thing that's going to bump them up into the moneyed class. A lot of people just have to get regular jobs and they shouldn't live subpar lives because of it. You know, that is um, a big issue too. I kind of brought it up earlier too. It's just the ability to retire. Like how yeah. long should somebody give 40 hours of their, um, 40 years, 40, uh, no, 40, 40 hours a week of their life in order for them to live comfortably? Or, or retire comfortably, I should say. So that's there, a, always fun to think about. There was a there was that guy on Fox News who was talking about like, why would people want to retire? Uh, I would be so <laughs> bored if I retired. And he was just clearly like, just lying through his teeth about like how it's great that we don't retire anymore. And like, I don't think that's true, man. Like, if you if so you contributed all. your whole life, like you should be able to retire with dignity. Um, yeah, let's move on to. We'll get back to you, yeah. uh, AM. Uh, equal opportunity or equal outcome? Uh, equal opportunity, certainly. Um, I don't think that everybody should be living, you know, fantastic lives regardless of what they put into it. Uh, but we don't have equal opportunity uh, is the issue. Uh, equal outcomes. Now, I think that everybody should be fed, housed, clothed, have access to health care and education. Uh, as far as equal outcomes come, but, um, but yeah, we don't have equal opportunity and that's the issue is that some people, you know, you know, are born on third base and thought they hit a triple, you know, some people and, and, and it's all of these things are sort of interconnected. If you have access to like, you know, the best food and like good diet from being a kid, those things affect your health and your mental acuity as you get older, some people who are born in poverty are eating nothing but like kid cuisine. Those kinds of things affect you. Uh, schools are funded by property tax. So if you live in a bad neighborhood, you're going to a less funded school. Those things add up over time. If you have to get a job as soon as you're 18 because your family is struggling to keep a roof over their head and you can't go to school now because you're instead working to support your family, you know, those are not equal opportunities. Whereas if somebody, you know, is born wealthy you know gets access to private tutors private schools better public schools uh they can go to university flat out uh without taking in any debt 
um, you know, they they had different opportunities than somebody who was born, uh, you know, in in the working class. So we don't have equal opportunity right now, uh, which I think is more important than equal outcomes. If, uh, if that would, answers your question, I would agree. I think equal opportunity is vastly more important. And then you know, just looking at the the latest comment, open a business. Not everybody can open a business. There is, I mean, there are resources the, you yeah. can do. You know, you can go to SBA or you can contact your state's local small business sure. group. You know, but it's not always feasible because, like, let's say you live in an underserviced community. If you open a business there, I mean, you're almost dooming yourself to failure. I mean, take a look at uh, small grocery stores in rural areas. Um, our state has lost over fifty percent of its uh, small grocery stores just because population is leaving mm-hmm. i mean so it's not always as simple as open a business or contribute more and i do work more than four i work a minimum 55 hours a week i'm just saying like when you have other like european mm-hmm. countries who work less than we do and end up as a population with similar outcomes so in better retirement yeah. i'm just saying as americans we work more hours than any other developed nation on the planet yeah and there's um, you know, there's been multiple studies of like if if the minimum wage, for example, increased with the growth of uh, you know the economy and how much we actually produced, it would be somewhere in the in the realm of like 22 bucks an hour. We produce more too than any other country. Mm-hmm. So um, anyone could open a business. This is true. You could take out like a lot of loans and gamble. However, businesses have pretty high failure rate, so it's definitely a huge risk to to open up a business. And um, not only that, but uh, let's get into like the facts here is that just not not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've been I've been lucky in that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm like a really smart dude, but I've always been sort of in like, you know, advanced classes. And there's studies that show that like even something like your mathematic ability might be genetic. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain things that, you know, I could get really quickly just by being taught at one time whereas some people in my class would try so much harder than I did and just couldn't get it there are you know certain people that are just never going to you know certain people are never going to become engineers certain people are never going to be scientists you know yeah. doctors there is a, a certain barrier to that people have physical limitations um, so they shouldn't live in poverty because of it you know even then I mean anybody can and when if you're calling risk versus reward i mean we'll just use the rural grocery stores that i just brought up if you open one that's high risk but i mean you're almost certain not to have that reward to go with it so i think a better option is instead of you know saying anybody can we should make sure that people have the resources available to them in order to do that if that's so what they choose that's all i'm arguing for absolutely and and honestly we can increase sba funding so that they have you know mm -hmm. or we can you know offer if if uh universal higher education is allowed or if we fund that and you know not only that but uh you know uh when ah dude i lost my my train of thought about Mm -hmm. okay about opening a business well we have uh certain while it's technically illegal to have a monopoly we have sort of monopolies like something like 40 percent of malls are going to go out of business within the next 10 years you know amazon and walmart are coming in and boxing out competition so at a certain point it'll be massive risk to open up like a specialty store when walmart can provide because they have the better infrastructure uh to get materials for cheaper because they have all the connections so they can offer price 
lower prices on their products. So especially in places where people aren't making a lot of money because wages are stagnant, they're not going to be spending that extra money by going to a local business. They're pretty much relegated to go to Walmart and buy the cheapest things that they can. So yeah, we have these big like corporate entities that are kind of killing the small businesses. So it's even more of a risk to, to open a business. Uh, I agree, but it's not up to people to support those people. Um, well, you can, you can say something like that. However, when you open a business, you still rely on labor. You know, I'm not saying that these, like literally not everyone can just open a business and that be it. You still need workers to work within that business, which is what some of these people would be doing. So this idea that they have to live in abject poverty to work for you also seems to be a little, it's almost, uh, it's almost self-feeding. I mean, um, there was a podcast I listened to a while back with a sociologist who talked about the, um, the rural to urban flow, like Mm -hmm. the way kind of things are right now. He basically summed it up as if you want to live rurally, then you, I mean, you better have a lot of money because that's the only way you're going to be able to support yourself. Otherwise your only option is to go to urban centers. So it's kind of, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Cause it's like, I think a lot of the biggest argument comes as like, do we support our rural centers or do we kind of allow them to fail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's, uh, that's kind of another thing. I should make sure people have the same ability, just not the same opportunity oh that that reminds me if we are going to publish this in podcast form it probably would behoove us to read the questions out loud um i think i i I think i've been reading them all yeah i don't think i've been consciously doing it i think i've just been kind of answering so i'm gonna do a better opportunity to do that Um, i think i've been reading most of them out loud okay yeah i'd appreciate that um i agree but it's not up to people to support those people yeah um well yeah it kind of it kind of is we only go as fast as our slowest runner you know like that, that I, I think the food stamp argument is a really good argument because there's a, I think it's via the snap website. They have a few studies that you can look at that basically says for every snap dollar that's put in grows your local economy by $1.6 or so. I'd have to, I'd have so to double check in, that one, but in sort of an argument for food stamps or even the elimination of food stamps would be that, with the advent of food stamps, we are now subsidizing workers, the wages that their companies aren't paying them. So when somebody needs food stamps to get by, it's not them that is a a drain on the economy. It's their company that's not paying them a living wage, forcing them to use taxpayer dollars. So we are subsidizing big business by paying into food stamps because they're not paying living wages to their, to their employees. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would, agree with the elimination of food stamps if wages were increased yeah if you could support yourself without them i mean i think that'd be i think that's a perfectly acceptable yeah. line of thinking yeah absolutely okay uh oh adair so the government should make sure people have the same ability just not the same opportunity not uh, just the same i'm opportunity. not sure what you are asking um i don't I mean, I, I don't, don't think I the don't government th- can make sure people have the same. Yeah, there are certain ability. differences that people are always going to have. But you should be able to, I guess in the simplest form to me, you should be able to pursue your path to the path that you want to get to. Like you shouldn't have to run into, like if you decide to go into a trade school, you should have that option available to you because that's the path that you want to take. So you, you shouldn't be dis- discouraged or moved away from from systemic blockades, if that makes sense. Sure. I think that we have a lot of people 
that are doing things that they don't want to do and work is suffering because of it. You know, there, there was a study done that something like only 15% of people are good at their jobs. And it's because we have so many people that are doing things that they don't, they don't give a shit about. So, you know, we have plenty of people that would like to do something else and contribute, you know, with their passions, but just don't have the opportunity to pursue it. We have, you know, people in service industry jobs that might make great road workers, but they, they can't afford to go to trade school. Or we have people who are road workers who want to be doctors who can't afford to do that. So we have, you know, or some people that are just stuck in jobs that they hate because they're scared of losing their, their health insurance benefits. Mm. That's another thing that would help people opening small businesses is that if they didn't have to provide health insurance for their employees, if universal health care was, was a thing, that would be a huge uh, cost boon to people trying to start their own businesses. So, yeah. Um, oh, think, Adair, do you want to maybe clarify what you were asking? Because I don't think I understand the question fully. Yeah. Or if that was a acceptable answer, you know, let us know. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, I think a big one too is just like, I will say like, I get what, I get where, um, oh, it's aim higher. That's what I get. Um, oh, <laughs> duh. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we were, English is hard, man. Uh, okay. Aim higher. Uh, taxes would have to increase to allow all those things y'all want. That's my Greed is good. It allows for innovation. It's innate, uh, to pretend it doesn't exist is to deny what makes us human. Okay. So, uh, this is kind of a multifaceted, uh, conversation to get in. Taxes would have to increase to allow all the things you want. Okay. So, uh, there was a study done by the Koch brothers who are a big libertarian think tank. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're kind of really rich guys that they hired somebody to, determine the cost of something like Medicare for all in an attempt to discredit it and revealed that Medicare for all would actually be cheaper for the average person. You would be paying more in taxes, but you would be paying nothing in premiums and nothing in co-payments. So it actually saves people money on the long term. So this idea of taxes would have to increase to allow all the things y'all want. Uh, Not even necessarily true. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, tax plan uh, to provide uh, her student debt relief was something like a 1% tax increase on the top tax bracket. Literally 1% from the people who don't need it the most could f- completely eliminate student debt and provide for free state tuition. So honestly, we would just have to raise taxes on the highest tax bracket in order to to fund a lot of these things. Sure, would the average person have to pay a little bit more in taxes? Yes, but I don't think that they would mind if they knew that yeah. they would actually be saving money in the long run. Yeah, and it's all about, like I said earlier, it's all about receiving what you're supposed to be receiving in the first place. And it is, it's, it's all about the top earners. Mm-hmm. These guys who are hoarding money, corporations who haven't paid any income tax at all in the past how long? Many, many years. Yeah. And then talking about increasing them, I mean, for what we gave up over 10 years with the latest tax plan, we could have had free higher education tuition or we could have had Medicare for all. We could have done it 10 times over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not so much that they even have to increase. It's that we just need to spend it better and spend it right instead Mm -hmm. of burning Mm -hmm. billions doing other things that we don't necessarily need to be doing. We can be supporting our population to open up those um, opportunity paths that, Mm -hmm. you know, should be there for them. So we used to have something called the era of plenty in this and country. I, and, and I don't, was, and I don't, 
I mean, I don't think you think greed is good. Oh, no. I, mean, we're gonna, just... I was going to tackle that after. Oh, I, okay. I Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, um, I cut you off. Where we used to, it used to be uh, a thing that was possible to do in this country. A guy could get a job right out of high school, get a manufacturing job, and he'd be able to afford a house and two cars and to send his kids to school. All of that was possible when the rich paid higher taxes. Reagan came in, cut taxes in half, and they haven't gone above that since. Since then, we've been having this massive wealth inequality. So... Yeah, we can actually afford a higher standard of living if we cap taxes at the tax rates that existed before Ronald Reagan came in, which, again, was sometimes considered one of the best periods of, of you know, uh, what am I trying to say? The best periods of luxury in this country. <laughs> you know, e- Economic people, growth. Yeah, people were living, you know, pretty, pretty good lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have people that are struggling. And, so. and to add a add a caveat to that or a point, bullet point too, mm-hmm. one of the things that has happened is the cost of living has steadily increased for everyone. And when that happens, that disproportionately affects the lower income people. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for the state we live in, a study was released a year and a half ago or so that said for a family of four to live what we would consider comfortably, meaning all your food needs are taken care of your rent, your bills, all that stuff is taken care of and you can absorb minor financial issues. The, for a family of four where we are is about, they said is about $55,000 a year. The median earner for where we're at is about 32,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I mean, a big one that nobody ever talks about too, is just the cost of living and what it takes to live. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, you know, if we can rectify a lot of that, because to me, a lot of people lie on a, on the same area in the spectrum in that everybody's just trying to live, you know, and nobody should have it any harder than anyone else and be able to get where they want to go. Yeah. Um, if you look at the increases in the cost of tuition and the cost of housing versus the increases in wage, you'll see that they're not uh, equivalent to each other. So this has been a problem that has been festering for decades now. So um, this idea that this is how it's always been is is patently false. Things used to be different, and they've been getting worse. So uh, to move on to your next point, that greed is good and allows for innovation, and it's innate. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that point uh, because greed also allows for things like, um, you know, uh, Apple's a good example where they are producing sort of a lower-quality products but just with really good marketing behind them and charging exuberant prices for them uh controlled obsolescence is a an effect of greed where people are intentionally making products that are going to go bad within a few years in order to sell more products uh so you know some people it actually helps them to produce lower quality products because of greed um you know greed drives innovation i think human beings drive innovation i think people are always going to come up with better solutions to things and you know, money, money has diminishing returns. Uh, once you're already making a certain amount of money, anything more than that, you're not going to be getting the same amount of, you know, enjoyment or joy when you receive it. So yeah, I don't think, I think that the, that it doesn't necessarily drive innovation and to pretend it doesn't exist is to not deny what makes us human. Um, and I disagree with that too, because I'm a human (laughs) and I disagree. So you know, the fact that there are people who you can have greed. from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So see, I think, uh, I think, I think as Richard Dawkins, you know, the evolutionary scientist, he, uh, I think he uh, proposed a theory at one point in time talking about like 
how um, the human mind kind of developed altruism and a need to support others in like your local tribes and society in order to boost it. I don't know if anybody's ever heard about that, but I remember watching him in a video talk about it. That long story short, the uh, innate sense of helping other people within your community is the driving force behind growth of society. Basically, I'd have to look that one back up to find that clip for that one. But uh, I always thought that one always kind of stuck with me. I was kind of like, okay, yeah. kind of like that. And you know, we didn't get to the moon with greed. <laughs> and another yeah. one too to talk about greed is good. I mean, uh, what's the guy um, with the eight hundred dollar um, epipens? Uh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, what's yeah. his name? Um, Martin uh, Scully? No, it wasn't. Well, I don't think Martin Scully was the EpiPen guy. He was, oh. It was another drug that he gouged the prices of. Okay. Um, or insulin is the big one. I've seen in a lot of, uh, um, I like it. Um, a lot of people, insulin is a good one. The Canadian inventors of uh, insulin sold the patent for $3 way back when. Yeah, the same as the guy who uh, invented uh, seatbelts. Like, he didn't patent it. So I mean, also that all cars could use it. So uh, it Volvo, it, the, Vol the Volvo guy. Yeah, so, I mean, people will... I think st yeah. still do good things. And it's not like we're trying to say, at least me anyways, it's not like I'm trying to say that I don't like he, if you make a massive innovation, like a friend of mine once argued with me, he's like, should Bill Gates not have all of his money for making a product that everybody uses? Like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that where we are and where we, what we can do with what we have available to us is a lot better than the, than the individual for everyone. Yeah. I would like to read a uh, Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. His comment. Lakasha. Um, Lakasha. Maybe. Uh, many people could want to innovate just for social recognition. Who wouldn't want to have its name written in the history books? Which is true. I think that uh, in an attempt to... Oh. Hey, hey. little JXY Beamer. How you doing today? Tonight? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good thing, too. I think there are a lot of people who do want the betterment of, of human beings over personal greed. Um. Yeah, like uh, the healthcare industry is a great example of it. We have people who are rationing their insulin, people who are dying because of greed. So I don't think greed is inherently good, nor do I think that it is inherently what makes us human. I think that I think that it's a learned behavior and a learned response. We have a very consumer society that has been foisted upon uh, us since children, you know. Uh, definitely a huge sort of rational fear of any other economic system other than capitalism. These are, these are learned responses. Uh, there was actually a good study that tied uh, individualism to like the development of language in different communities, like uh, in like Asian countries, they, the way that they speak is different in that uh, like one, they don't uh, refer to directions by like left and right, but they use cardinal directions and they think that that psychologically bases positioning on the way the world is rather than an, the individual left or right you know uh another thing is they have less like accusatory language like if you know someone's jumping on the couch and it breaks they don't say like jimmy broke the couch they say the couch broke as if that's a thing that just happened mm -hmm. to all of us so this idea that you know there's there's definitely people who study psychology who could probably explain it better than i can but it is i think it's something that can be unlearned you know could you react to a song? I do want to do a quick shout out real fast before you get to that. Thanks for the follow, Amaya. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Definitely appreciate that. Um, could you react to a song? Um, yeah, I guess there's no reason that I couldn't. 
<laughs> if it's within our technical limitations here, oh, yeah, we, would, we would have to look it up. <laughs> uh, what song? What song is it? Uh, little XY Beamer. If it's not Old Town Road. <laughs> we got them horses in the back. Horse tag is attached. Had his mat black. Got them shoes in that just became the number one, like it's the been number the one rec- for seventeen yeah. weeks. It's the record holder for longest uh, yeah. song number one. I love it, I love it. Uh, could we get that song name, Little Beamer X, or a Little X Y Beamer? I was gonna say. So a couple of the other little things too. <laughs> uh, hey, you have a good night, Amy. Yeah, I hope Amy. we see. I hope yeah. you see you next time that we're streaming. Absolutely, we'll we'll try to stream at least twice a week. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to to talk with you more. I always love. Uh, I love the discussion. Yeah, That's the big absolutely, one. Because I think one of the biggest problems in here in this in the, this day and age is nobody wants to just sit down and talk. Yeah, and and definitely if we can if we can talk without being you know insulting to each other or demeaning to each other and absolutely. actually sort of. Uh, yeah, it's kind of was try, great. Yeah, try to understand each other's points of view. I think that's uh, that's the most beneficial thing that we could do. So sweet, awesome, awesome. But you take care now. Yeah, absolutely. So Thank you. in the meantime, while we're waiting for that uh, track name there, um, one of the things, other things I wanted to talk about too is a little more on the tech side because I thought it was kind of cool. But I think it was Sony made a uh, portable air conditioner you can put in your clothes to keep you cool. Yeah, no, I, that's been around for a while. Uh, I remember seeing like windbreakers that had little fans in them. Oh no, this uh, is like actual air conditioner. Air conditioner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That'll be one for the, for the greed. <laughs> with this, it's a good technology to come in now with these growing heat waves that are just destroying everywhere. Yeah. Uh, little JXY Beamer, you still there? Let's see here. Could check the stream chat here. Yeah, we'll out if he's still we'll there. keep going here. Another fun one on the tech side too. Uh, researchers California and China created some contact lenses that zoom when you blink. That do what? They zoom in when you blink. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like we're getting to some. Did you ever watch uh, Bionic Commando? You watch a lot of college humor. Uh, I don't. I should. There was a. They had like a POV series where it was just sort of a guy. Like in his head during certain social situations, and there was one where he was taking a test in history class, and he was trying to cheat, and he was like looking over next to him, and he's like, "Why can't human beings zoom?" <laughs> and that just made me think of that. And it's like, oh, now we can. Uh, I also saw recently uh, they invented uh, transitions contacts. Oh yeah, uh, I've seen has, that. Has that been around for a while? Uh, that was like a year ago, maybe or so. Could you? I not need that. Talked about that in Thanksgiving, like ten years ago. I brought that up. That was my idea. I just didn't have the technology to, <laughs> to invent it. I could have been rich, and then I would have been on aim you, highest. You side. would have been on aim <laughs> highest side. <laughs> right. So that's that's really that's that's what's gonna be like. Once I become rich, I'm just gonna completely pivot to the right. Yeah, you know. And then that's another one too. Talking about the just like the greed and innovation thing. It's like, um, how many cures for different diseases would we have if it wasn't a for profit game? Like what, yeah. like, um, uh, uh, organization that I have a really fond affection for is, um, the muscular dystrophy association. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the places I used to work, um, we used to raise money for them. You know, one of those monthly drives you'd raise money for them. And, and uh, part of the fascination I have with them is that a lot of that money stayed in the state. So we raised it and it literally directly funded this uh, summer camp they had for MDA kids. But uh, what a lot of the uh, rest of the money goes to after that is research and they've actually cured 
four or five. I'd have to look it up on their website, but uh, several forms of muscular dystrophy. Yeah, that's awesome. Because of that. I mean, that's, you know, if that were like, let's say publicly funded or if the government was giving them grants or something along those lines, you know, we mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily get into that today. Sure. But, you know, just how many things could we do if it wasn't a for-profit game? Yeah, and it's it's also like how many things could you not do if you had $10 million? Like what, oh, there's what, nothing I couldn't do. What couldn't you do with your life that you'd really want to do that you couldn't do with that? Fly to the moon. But that's what I mean. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, $10 million yeah. is so is such a <laughs> – and for the record, guys, and then we got four people left here. For the record, if you ever stop and think about how much a million dollar is, like think about that. Like how many years do you have to work – yeah, whatever job that you're currently yeah, working, take to your make, salary. To make a million dollars. And divide a million by, yeah. Well, same thing as like uh, how I try to explain like a billion dollars to somebody. Yeah. Like think about. A billion is literally yeah. incomprehensible think to if the you human had, mind. Yeah. If you had an amazing job, a job that paid you a million dollars a year, right? Like you could do, love it. You could do most anything that you wanted. Yeah. You would have to work at that job with no expenses, save literally every dollar you made for a thousand years or a thousand years to make a billion dollars. Yeah making a million dollars a year, making amazing salary, you would have to work a thousand years. Did you know a million dollars a year is the entry level into the uh, 1%? I didn't. That's how you That's how you get there. Yeah. That's how much wealth that the top 1% has. Like the buy-in, that's that you would think that the top like 1% would be like 10 million and no, it's 1 million. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you're right, Odair. Oh, Odair. A million really isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, as opposed to what it would take to make, like now you imagine a guy making that every single year. Yeah. And then because let's say he lives extremely below his means, like uh, the Burt's Bees guys, you know, props to him because he's done a lot of good things for being a billionaire up in Maine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just, you just multiply that and it's just exponentially like the gap grows. Yeah. Because it's like, let's say I made a million dollars a year. I could buy a house cash. Within within a year, dude, you and can I buy could buy ten houses cash if you get the right area. Yeah, but I mean, like, let's say I wanted to buy like a, you know, in my hometown in California, oh, yeah. uh, where I don't yeah, live different. anymore, where it's the uh, prices are insane. But like a, a nice house will run you maybe half a million dollars. Like right now with my current expenses, I'm definitely not paying half a million dollars to live yeah. my life. So logically, like thinking, see that I could sh- easily save half a million yeah. in a year. <laughs> so I could I could buy a house cash. I could also buy like a really nice fucking sports car for like, you know, two hundred thousand dollars. And and after that, like what's left for me to, to, to buy? <laughs> like like <laughs> the next year when I make the million dollars and I'm not I don't have to buy a house and a car anymore, like what else what else is left for me to want? Exactly. Well that's know? and that's where the a lot of the gaps start coming in because you don't have anything else you need to do. And if you're accruing that, you know, consecutively at year after year after year then you just start putting in other things and it just, yeah, you it know. grows exponentially. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You just, you know, there's that old saying, it takes money to make money. Well, if you have a lot of money, then you can just make, <laughs> make more money. Right. Uh, whereas if you have very little money, you don't really have the opportunity to make more money. You know, something like, I think, uh, and I think Andrew Yang is actually the one who talked about this yeah. uh, when he was talking about the stock market. Um, something like the top 50% of the country owns 80% of the stocks. Uh, there what, is. Uh, this do, is. Do you know the actual numbers? Because I think that's what he said. But I, I can't to, quote I him would, for sure. Uh, we appreciate it. I hope <laughs> I get there too someday. If we do, I'm bringing you with us. <laughs> Thanks.
Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I do appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't remember the exact stock number, uh, stock market number that he gave, but uh, there is a fascinating stat that nobody kind of really knows, and I have the graphic saved on uh, one on my phone somewhere. But there's like 20 individuals who sit on the top 14 companies' um, board of directors, mm-hmm. and they're the same guys all the time that sit and run yeah. these companies. Yeah, it's fascinating. Honestly, I think we should probably like. This is a longer podcast than we've ever done. Oh, yeah. It's uh, actually one of the longer ones. Yeah, probably split it in half and upload it as two separate episodes because I don't think we're going to be able to maintain somebody listening for probably possibly an hour and a half. So, <laughs> so maybe we can split it up from like our discussion, cut it in half to like the actual like questions. Cut it up and stuff. Yeah, we yeah. can do that. Yeah, that, um, that seems like probably so a good idea. So there's one last little bit I want to get into here because it is getting a little late for me. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the follow, Odair. I was just about to ask if you would too. Thank you, thank you. Sweet. I appreciate it. So there's one last little bit I wanted to get into, and it's a report I read today. Um, a big uh, thing that people often have against Medicare for all is that it's going to put an increased strain on hospital load and doctors. Like mm-hmm. there won't be enough doctors to go around. There was a study released today, or maybe it was yesterday when I saved it, that uh, talks about the Affordable Care Act. Since the Affordable Care Act became law, and adding you know X million people to um, health plans all mm-hmm. around the country, and they found no significant increase in hospital admissions. Yeah, I, I think that. I think speaking for me personally, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of health issues, so whether or not I have health insurance is not really a determining factor as to whether or not I'm going to the doctor. I won't go to the doctor unless something's wrong. I mean, I think most people would probably probably like that. I mean, yeah, I think you like say. hypochondriacs who would be like, if it's free, I'm going to go. You know, every, every day. I think I think that counts as what I call the fringe um, estimates. You know, like you're always gonna, no matter what issue you have, you're always gonna have a handful of cases that are on the outside of what you would expect normally. But those few, uh, I guess, bad apples really shouldn't spoil your batch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, it's just silly that it 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 costs a thousand dollars just to go to the ER because your primary care physician it doesn't work past five o'clock. Or even like you know, it costs upwards of a thousand dollars to get an ambulance ride if you need it oh yeah that too um yeah that was a rough one yeah it is a rough one yeah you ready to so all right yeah i'll say we'll have to go ahead and call that for tonight guys it's getting a little late gotta go to my day job tomorrow if you haven't followed us and if you liked what you hear you know please give us a follow um kind of what we do here is just kind of discuss and bring up interesting topics that we want to talk about we do we do talk a lot of politics but we we get another stuff too so if you liked yeah. what you had you know we appreciate you guys coming out tonight and we stream games very infrequently but happens every once in a while yeah we so. do a little gaming stuff too <laughs> just a little bit of everything yeah uh but. yeah thanks thanks for everyone for listening and uh absolutely shout out to everyone who followed and people who participated in the discussion uh yeah, absolutely. A, lot of, a lot of fun yeah if you join us next time think of any interesting questions you want us to get into well, always we're always happy to generally give an opinion as long as it's nothing too too crazy. <laughs> I'll get into the crazy. I'll get into the weird. I've been I've been holding back this whole time. <laughs> so, all right, guys, have a good night. All right, see ya.